Hello listeners and welcome to the third season of Pebble in the Pond, a podcast that hopes to create a ripple of change for mental health. My name is Sam Stewart and I am the CEO of the Australian and New Zealand Mental Health Association. Each year our association hosts several leading mental health conferences that allow us the chance to meet and connect with the most fascinating and accomplished people in mental health. Listen in as we go one-on-one with the people changing the face of mental health in Australia and New Zealand. From lived experience speakers through to researchers, academics, leading community organisations and influential industry leaders. Our Pebble in the Pond podcast episodes may contain themes or topics of discussion that may be triggering for some listeners. If you feel you need assistance with your mental health at any time, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or visit the Get Help page for additional resources at anzmh.asn.au. Whether it's decreasing the amount consumed or quitting completely, changing alcohol habits can be a lonely journey. Having a supportive community is vital for long-term success, but is being part of an online community as effective as in-person support? Dominic Robert Hendren is the Head of Clinical Innovation and Chief Clinical Psychologist at Hello Sunday Morning and is is also our special guest for this week. She's a community educator and national speaker on person-centered and recovery-focused programs and strategies. Hello Sunday Morning is an Australian not-for-profit organization whose mission is to help people who want to change their relationship with alcohol. Five years ago, Hello Sunday Morning developed and launched the prototype for what is now the Daybreak app, a behavior change program which taps into the power of anonymous community support to help people who want to change their drinking habits. Today, more than 65,000 Australians have now downloaded and registered with the app. Dominic Robert Hendren joins us today to, de- to delve into the Daybreak app, how it works, what is known about its efficacy, and the process of transforming it from a lifestyle app to a clinically useful adjunct for supporting people to reduce their dependence on alcohol. Hello, Dominique, and thanks very much for joining us and sharing your story and all the fantastic things you're up to with Hello Sunday Morning with our listeners. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. I'm really looking forward to our time together today. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, to give our listeners some perspective and a bit of context, tell us how or what made you get into mental health in the first place? Yes, sure. Look, I've always had a passion for mental health. As you know, many people are touched by mental health. So certainly I've had close friends who have struggled in the past. So it was something very much on the radar that we were always brought up to be compassionate and to look out for others. So therefore, it was something that I was naturally drawn into. And particularly, I was very interested in trying to be able to support people who might be struggling with their mood. And so went through uni, I was down two paths. I had a career path, but also studying psychology and knew that it was always the place that I wanted to end up in. Isn't that interesting? Whereabouts did you study? Sydney University, UNSW and Macquarie University. Wow. Okay, great. So you grew up in Sydney? Yes, grew up in Sydney from a very large family, one of 10. Wow. You don't hear about that too much these days. No, you don't. So yes, nine girls, one boy, and I wouldn't change anything. It was the most incredible experience. And I guess that also was one of the factors for me, understanding the power of having supported family and loved ones around and how that can be empowering and helps us with our resilience was something that I became very aware of early on in my life. 
Where were you in the order of the tent? Were you one of the eldest, the youngest, middle? I'm the baby of the family. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so I guess I had lots of opportunity to kind of sit back, quite a reflective person, sit back and kind of be the observer and kind of always try to broaden the perspective. So I was, I felt in a privileged position, I must say. Yeah. And do you feel like growing up and in such a large family was something that definitely is a lot positive for you and helped you definitely that support networks? Certainly. It was a very positive experience. I think what I learned from that is that it didn't mean that we had everything handed to us on a plate. We understood that we actually had to work hard. We had to learn how to collaborate and negotiate with each other. But we were brought up in a family full of hope and resilience. So always taught to look at other options and how to kind of make the most of situations. So it was a positive experience for us. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, congrats to mum and dad. That would have been a big effort to raise 10 kids. So well done. Yeah, they were incredible. I guess, Dominique, if we just go to what your what was your first job outside of your initial degree with psychology? Sure. So the first job that I came into was I was working with a bereavement counselling support service, specifically looking at miscarriage and stillbirth. So I was one of the counsellors there. And that was really rewarding and very quickly took me to a place where seeing the real heartache that people went through. So one moment there was a feeling of joy and then having to navigate the, the grief that went along with the loss. Yeah. I mean, that would have been challenging, especially for your first experience getting into the mental health space. What were some of the other challenges with that role? Was there some other challenges around that as well? Look, so what I quickly kind of learned around that, and that was about probably 18 years ago, it wasn't well accepted that grief actually necessarily went hand in hand, particularly so with miscarriage. It was something that people were told to, it's for the best, and at least you can fall pregnant, you can try again. So there was a lot of unsupported kind of myths out there, which made it very difficult for people to reach out. Fortunately, now we've come a long way and it is well accepted, not only for the mother who's carrying the baby, but for their partner as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so that experience, how did that lead you into your next role then? So my next role then came into Lifeline. So I was very interested to kind of understand how I would be able to navigate a crisis And I felt that Lifeline would be a really excellent place to kind of learn those key skills. So we go through university, we we do our psychology degree, and often what will happen is that we learn all the theory, putting it into practice is a whole other thing. I remember when I was doing my master's, one of the professors asked me to role play one of the crises, and I kind of thought, wow, I might know in theory how to do that, but how do I actually roll this out? So it got me thinking and I thought Lifeline would be a fantastic place to to learn about that because that's very much in the moment, crisis unfolding and how do we deal? What are the next steps to take? So that was an incredible journey with Lifeline, probably one of the most fantastic growth for me as a mental health specialist. Yeah. So what year are we talking you're with Lifeline? So I was with Lifeline early 2006, around okay. that time, I, yes. It's such a great organisation, isn't it? They're incredible and I still contribute to them in some way. So I do some professional development sometimes. I stayed on and became a trainer with them for our in-shift support supervisors. Yeah, look, incredible, incredible organisation. What was your role with Lifeline? Were you on the phones? Were you training? I initially started as a volunteer a crisis support wow. officer answering the phones to crisis. 
I then uh, stayed on and became a supervisor, so over overseeing the trainees on the telephone, but then also being able to be the point of contact where they may be able to escalate for further decisions. And then I was I joined as part of the training team. Yeah. So you've been affiliated with them for some time. Have you seen some changes and some some real advancements during your time with them? Um, certainly. So we uh, tremendous changes. It's great to see that Lifeline are now rolling out training for other clinicians, which I think is excellent. I often would recommend that the students that came through to Lifeline, that would be a great place to start their training. It really helps them to understand how a crisis can unfold rapidly and what would be the key steps that would need to be taken. I also think what it teaches you is that you quickly realise that it requires an enormous effort from a connected team, a cross-disciplinary team, working together in an integrated way. Yeah. And now they're rolling out their training models, which I think is fantastic. I noticed that they are now recently also rolling out training in the workplace for mental health first aiders. So they're doing some tremendous work. Do you think it's a good way for people that have just finished their degree to get into the space and start? Because, I mean, it's you can't get much closer to the coalface than that, can you, as far as dealing with people yes. in crisis? Absolutely. So often to get into a master's or a doctorate for clinical psychology is quite competitive. And one of the clear markers is giving anyone an edge is if they've got this training under their belt. So I certainly would recommend it for anyone who's seriously thinking about developing their skills as a clinician in mental health to certainly look into one of the courses at Lifeline. Yeah, great. Okay. And so from when you left there working full-time, where did you go to then? I also then volunteered with Black Dog Institute. Um, That was very exciting. I was delivering community programs, particularly for those who have mood disorders and specifically bipolar disorder. So I was running community programs. That was fantastic. I also then was delivering community education across the North Sydney area, and I found that incredibly rewarding. Community education, it's such an important part of the process, isn't it, in trying to help eradicate stigma, but also to help people because, I mean, professionals can't be everywhere and available all the time. So tell us about the role the community plays and what you were doing with that helped along. Yes. Look, I think that's exactly right. I think when we look at mental health and how we try to navigate that, one of the key things we want to do straight away is establish is an, a support network. We know that that's a key factor of being able to help someone get through the challenges. And so what's important then is to educate the carer, the community to try and understand how that they can then communicate and be supportive to that person. So we did obviously find quite a few people that would attend those programs would actually be parents and loved ones and partners. And that was empowering for them because often people say, I really want to help, but I just don't know where to start. And so those education sessions were really helpful in that way. Yeah. Okay. And so where did you go to after that? So then I got into my registrar program. So I was working, I started to enter into the private hospital sectors. I was working around across HealthScope and Ramsey Health. And Ramsey obviously is where I spent most of my time as a clinician. Worked in roles there. So starting off as a clinical psychology registrar, coming in and then I got into there and got into management, corporate uh, service designs. And my Most recent role was with Ramsey Healthcare as the National Mental Health Director for Programs and Services. 
Wow. That's a great appointment. I mean, that, you've had such a diverse background, though, that really would have set you up to be quite successful in that role. It was fabulous, and I was very grateful to have been given the opportunity, uh, starting off first in the hospitals, developing programs and training the staff there, being able to roll that up into a national role was fab- fabulous. So looking at strategy, being able to be involved in developing a digital health strategy, which we know is really important with the emerging research now, suggesting that for a lot of people, that's the most convenient and accessible way to, to get involved and to engage in therapy. So it's been amazing and looking at the growth and ways to be able to to bring on and implement strategy, really always putting the patient and the person at the centre of everything that we do. So that certainly was what motivated me and continues to do so. And then that led you to step into the role with Hello Sunday Morning? Yes. So look, you know, I had a wonderful time with Ramsey Healthcare. I was able to oversee lots of initiatives. And then last year, COVID hit, and I was then put in charge to look at all of the strategy for our frontline workers, which was all our doctors, nurses, employees of Ramsey, spent 12 months uh, delivering and implementing that strategy. Highly successful. We were very, very pleased with the level of engagement, uh, not only in Australia, but globally. Come at the end of the year, I took a time of reflection and thought that it would be a wonderful time to start paying it forward. Therefore, I looked for my next challenge and opportunity and Hello Sunday Morning came along. Well, before we get into that, I mean, that would have been a challenge. I mean, you were in that role when COVID came along and having to be quite flexible and start to think about this and put together some procedures and things quite quickly. I mean, that would have been seriously challenging, would it not? Look, it was incredibly challenging. We first responded, so we obviously put together a COVID response team in the leadership. So I was overlooking all of the mental health strategies. So we initially were developing programs and initiatives to help the community. Then we quickly realised that actually our own staff and particularly so the doctors and our nurses were really struggling and required support. So therefore, the strategy really focused on them. So look, absolutely, there were days where on a Sunday or a Saturday, they were expecting, didn't know what to expect, given that we were trying to be flexible and adaptable to the reactions happening. So therefore, we would literally be doing a Zoom call and doing a grounding technique and rolling out a mindfulness session together as a team. It was an incredible bringing everyone together. There was such a unity and strength that I thought was just amazing. And it was just wonderful to be able to have been able to be part of that indeed yeah i mean to go from a client person-centered model with people that are coming in normally the focus to being shifted to the doctors and nurses i'm not saying there weren't before that but i mean such a big focus because the role they played last year and still play today is is an important one so i mean you would have been trying to get ready for something you didn't know what was coming Look, this is exactly right. Uh, Again, fortunate that we had a terrific leadership group put together. Everybody was collaborating and terrific support. So we were able to do that and in a position to be able to make things happen fairly quickly. So that certainly helped indeed. So fast forward, so now we're in November. So you've taken the role, Hello Sunday Morning. So you're into a charity, not for profit. What's it like working for a charity after such a diverse background and in professional roles that you've served before? 
look, certainly they have to adapt, but fully, I think, being aware of that. But again, what drew me in, I was looking around and I really loved everything that I was reading about Hello Sunday Morning, how it first started and where it was going. There was just something really warm and fuzzy about it, if I can put it that way. It really drew me in. I loved the whole story of how it started. And I thought I should explore this a little further. I took my time. I certainly took my time looking at that. Meeting with some of the executives and getting to know them, I really kind of thought this is fantastic. And what an opportunity to be able to pay some of this forward as well, I think was a key driver for me in my decision. I had been fortunate to have worked with many people and it's just a time to kind of reset some of those priorities for the moment and go, what can I do to give back? And I think COVID probably had a lot to do with that as well. And I feel so privileged to be working with people who are so passionate and who consistently want to give. And uh, it's just it's just a great environment to be around. You can certainly see and feel the passion that you have for it. So, so I'm looking forward to exploring this more. For the listeners that don't know, do you just want to give us a bit of a background on how this first started? How did Hello Sunday Morning come to be? Sure. Look, Hello Sunday Morning started 10 years ago. Chris Rain was the founder. He had an idea that he was given an assignment to look at alcohol and the relationship that people had with it and decided that he would actually start a blog and look into it. And it started setting up and it took off. And from there, it just kind of really grew up and people were registering, wanted to become members of the blog. And then in 2016, they decided to develop an app called Daybreak and launch that out. And today there are over 100,000 registrations globally. Wow. Yes, 70,000 in Australia alone. And uh, the government got behind this in 2018 and decided that they would also wanted to support this app. And the ethos behind the app is that the mission is really to help people change their relationship with alcohol. So when you say he was given an assignment to explore life without alcohol, was that, are we talking like a uni assignment or just an assignment he gave himself? Like where, where did Chris get that from? Oh, so yes. Look, so Chris was working with an advertising company at the time oh. and his boss gave him an assignment. And so he thought that he would, might stop drinking for a while and measure how that was. And what I think he would be best placed to kind of probably say that story. Yeah. But from what I understand, he kind of started to realize the value of being able to wake up on a Sunday and actually, you know, be able to embrace the day. And throughout the block, I think he realized that lots of people were actually kind of saying the same thing. And this movement just grew. And therefore, he recognized there was a real need to develop a community where people could support one another. And it's right on because when we look at the research, we know that a peer community is very, very effective. Yeah. And therefore, where Daybreak really is based on peer community. Yeah. So it was born out of a blog that was an assignment at work. And now this quickly became something that was larger than what he probably first expected. At what point was it 2018 that this went into, or 2016, you said we the app was created. Was the yes. app created because it was a leverage point at which they could help more people get access to the sort of things that they needed more readily available than just being on the internet instead of being an app on a phone? Is that how it was born? Yes, yes, definitely. I guess that's right. Recognizing that need and yeah. being able to then, yes, broaden the reach. What, what makes this different to, if, for instance, where obviously they've been around for some time and, and having more smaller, they've got a different model, obviously, but it's just interesting to see 
I mean, in a relatively short amount of time, this has got some serious momentum and a lot of people expressing interest and jumping on board. Yes. Why do you think this is so different? I guess one of the key factors is that you can become a member of the Daybreak community, but there are no rules around whether you actually abstain or you just want to moderate. You just want to explore and understand your own relationship and where you're at with alcohol. So there's no pressure there. We certainly provide you support and tools to help guide you and navigate you through that We use motivational interviewing if you're ready to take the next step. But certainly there is no pressure on you having to quit drinking altogether. Okay. And I guess that's one of the key factors. Yes. So it's more of a prevention port network than- Yes. Okay. I got you. And early intervention. That's right. So it really, we really try to match you with where you're at. And certainly, I guess what's different though, is if you want to go that extra step and, or you will need to build through towards that journey, we're there to help you with some tools. Yeah. So it's really focused on the outcomes that person is, is really wanting to achieve, whether it's, like you said, just cutting back or complete abstinence from it. It's the different levels are up to you. Yes, and you set your own goals and we can help you review those and adjust those. Absolutely. So the goals are set by the members themselves. So tell us about some of the features of Hello Sunday Morning. So if you is it educational? Is it blogging? Is it what are some of the things that would help people that would join up to such? Sure. So certainly, look, biggest benefit, I think, is being able to be part of an online community where people have acknowledged and recognised that navigating the relationship with alcohol can be challenging at times. And they also understand that installation of hope that you can get by being part of a peer community where others can kind of relate and understand. I guess the difference is that we have professional clinicians, which are walking beside you as opposed to actually leading your journey for you. So therefore, that is the first thing we recognise that our members absolutely value each other's feedback. They also value each other, inspiring them and encouraging them. We find that the outcomes are far better when it's coming from their own peers. So that's one of the features. Another key feature is that if people decide that they need additional help or this may not be the right thing for them or they need to find out more, they can actually engage with a digital clinical navigator. So again, that's a health professional that can help link them to services that are around their area or that's accessible to them. So we would be able to do a search and give them details and referrals to other organisations and other services. The other feature that we have also is that we have health coaches within the Daybreak app. So if people become members and we identify that they are at a level of risk, that they may benefit further assistance, then we have a service for health coaching. Wow. I mean, that's more than just a peer network, isn't it? When you offer services like that. Yes. And look, very excited because we've just been looking at the new strategy and there are going to be some incredible features coming on. We'd certainly want to make the onboarding experience to be seamless for our members. We want to definitely give them more digital tools to track their alcohol, to give them inspirations. Very excited working with the teams across the organization to look at how that might be. And so is that a key focus of your role with Hello Sunday Morning is looking at that innovation? side of things? 
certainly a key focus. And one of the key things for me that I want to ensure is that every new feature and design and program that we bring on, it's incredibly important that we co-design that with our members. So we need to collaborate. So it's not only what the research tells us, but certainly we want to be evidence-informed and we want to hear from our members because after all, they are the ones living that experience every day. What a great way to be able to do the research though with your members. I mean, you've already got such a great database of a group of members that are committed or have their own version of what they're wanting, wanting to achieve with their relationship with alcohol. To be able to have that, to be able to go out and do surveys and get feedback is, is something that's really, really cool to be able to do. Yes, we're very fortunate because we have members who are very active and who are so keen to give back themselves. And so that is just so wonderful for us. So a lot of them will come through the journey and they are in a great place and they want to actually be able to participate and help others. And, you know, this is fantastic for us and for the community indeed. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And so people, I mean, when this was, when, when Hello Sunday Morning first started, obviously started from a blog, but then... Was it just public events that were happening? And then, as I understand it, there was some initial, the early online stuff was really more targeted towards the youth. Is that how it sort of started? And then you... Yes, yes. Originally, it was youth. But as it turns out, the typical uh, cohort that are using Hello Sunday Morning at the moment tend to be between 34 and 54. So that would be predominantly the market that the members... That's really interesting. Is a male-female split pretty even? Look, certainly uh, we are seeing more females. So over 61% of our members are females. Yeah. And that's another key focus for us. We want to ensure, we want to understand, are there any barriers for males to feel that, you know, that they can engage in the community? And certainly we want to really look at that more closely. Tell me, Dominic, is there any relationship or with this with the stats as it relates to metro versus rural? Are you finding that there's a lot more people are metro focused that are coming onto this, or are you seeing some growth in the rural regional space? So, look, we do currently see a lot more coming from the metro, and again, that is another area in our strategic pillar where we do want to focus, um, looking at for the underserved community, so in the remote areas. You know, and again, that will probably go against what the broader stats would tell us. There's more needs there, but certainly we're, we're not actually seeing that come through. Um, so again, it's giving us an opportunity to look at this more closely. The culture change that needs to happen in Australia around the relationships with alcohol. I mean, some would argue that traditionally we've had a, a bit of a drinking culture in Australia and, and a lot of other things that go along with the drinking, gambling and other comorbid issues that can also pop up that can affect people's mental health and well-being. Tell us, what's the contribution that Hello Sunday Morning brings to helping change the culture in Australia around drinking and the relationship with alcohol? So I think, first of all, what we do, we want to be accessible that people can come and understand the impact that alcohol can have. We try and do that in from a non-judgmental point of view. So again, wanting to help people understand that for some people, it will be okay to drink. For others, there are some impacts and some other considerations that have to come into place. The other key thing, I guess, is that if people are already at a place where they're really struggling 
that as a community, we can help them and support them through that journey. We want to really destigmatize the, you know, the, the judgment that might be associated with it. We also want to help people understand that it's okay to not, not to pick up alcohol. So there's no right or wrong here from a social point of view, but we certainly want to be able to inform policies around uh, marketing and so forth, particularly so with youth, because as you said, it's part of our culture and it's uh, accepted that in fact, it's kind of uncool if you don't drink. Though I'm encouraged because I think that latest research is showing us that the trend is starting to change. Youth are coming through and starting to make more informed choices. And we would like to certainly play a role in that, that you do actually have choices. And it's great to see the big movement with the non-alcoholic drinks that are coming through that are quite trendy. So we're certainly very keen to be pushing through the awareness around nightclubs that really promote non-alcoholic drinks, making them trendy. That's a great initiative too that I think all of Australia is getting behind at the moment. You're right. It is easier these days to want to go out and to be able to go out and socialise and have a non-alcoholic beverage and it's and there's some variety and and different whether it's in beers or wines or drinks it's sort of yeah there's some variety out there now which is really helping not make it be as awkward when you go go out there and do that and so being able to normalize that is really important and it seems like the role you're playing i mean initially your focus was youth but now you're sort of seeing that go older but you're still you're still having a focus around that Yeah, and I suppose we're growing with our members, so to speak, as well, right? So that's great. And I think that that's an important acknowledgement because our members now are probably young parents themselves. So this is really important. We have an opportunity to be able to really kind of guide and support them. The importance of flexibility and the approach that people take to achieving whatever it is their outcome is that they're trying to get with their relationship with alcohol, whether it's reducing or eliminating. There's so many different factors that can influence how much people drink. How do you tailor what you're doing? Because it must be tough when you're trying to help people in such a unique circumstance, but it's such an important thing where they've got different backgrounds to consider when they're coming to try and reform or rephrase their relationship with alcohol. Yes, look, I think that's a very important point you're making, Sam. And I think the key thing that I'd certainly like to see us move towards is that in order for us to be able to be to be able to really support a person, we want to take a holistic approach to their care and that will start with an appropriate screening and assessment understanding like you're saying the many factors that come into play here realizing and and acknowledging as well that up to 50 percent of people who might have a substance use disorder might also have mental health issues so i think it'd be really good to try and understand what are the different factors here and then building in a holistic approach into their journey that was going to be my next question was around the the drug. Is this something that could also work for people that are looking to try and reduce or eliminate the impacts of drugs in their personal experience or relationship with that? Or is this purely alcohol and focusing only on that? Look, we're certainly focusing on alcohol and we'll move into the co-occurring issues, psychological distress and so forth. But for now, we really want to be focused on alcohol. Um, that's not saying that people who are our members do not also struggle with other drugs, but certainly the key focus is alcohol. Yeah, and rephrasing your relationship with alcohol. I mean, it sounds so simple, but I mean, it, it can be very challenging for a lot of people, can't it? Because it's what we've grown up with. It's what we know. It's what our parents, it's sort of, I mean, there's a number of factors to change this. So it's it's no easy feat. Yes, 
and look exactly. And that has multiple meanings, right? Changing my relationship with alcohol, what does that mean? And I think that's a great place to start as well, just for a new member to explore that. What does it actually mean? And what does it look like for now? Knowing that in two weeks or in two months or in two years, that might be very different. And that's okay as well. I think that being able to have that flexibility within the goals and the the narrative around that is key to making progress. Tell us how this, I mean, the app sounds really incredible. So, I mean, so, some of the features, this isn't just a, an app where you've got forums on it. I assume there's a lot more to it. Do you just want to give us a quick rundown on the key key parts to the app? So I think what's really key is that we have guidelines. So certainly to become a member of Daybreak, there is a registration that needs to happen. So approving the ticks and the terms and conditions. Again, because we pride ourselves that we are definitely a peer online community. What we can, the comfort that we can provide to our members though, is that we have health professionals who will moderate the forum because we feel that we have a duty of care. So the governance around our forum is key. So people coming on, we would have an expectation that they would go through the guidelines and look at the rules of engagement because what we don't want is to foster an environment where it could be triggering for others. So therefore, we have a duty of care to make sure we moderate that. So people can come in, explore it, download the app, answer some key questions, and we would just try and gauge where they are at with their drinking just to give them some initial feedback because one of the key things that our members tell us is the reason they kind of joined Daybreak initially is because Two reasons why they they want to know, one, do they have a drinking problem? And if so, how bad is it? So we like to be able to provide them with that information up front. We find that a lot of people like to come in and explore and just observe what other people are posting. Uh, But then over time, they start to then also post post their encouragement or or their questions to others. And then what will happen is that we will, from time to time, send them reminders that we have the peer navigation if they wanted to find out more information about other services, if they wanted to look at resources and have access to those sorts of things, we give them those reminders. And then certainly if people want to do health coaching as well, so they get these little prompts. But largely it is very much the community themselves. We look for themes that come through. And if we pick up on a particular theme, then we might actually do a more generalized post giving people more information i was going to say that's that you're moving to it then but i mean it's the user from the user side that's really interesting if we flip it now and go from the other side from clinician side of it what are you being able to use from the app and what people are telling you and, and what are you doing with that data absolutely so for us the data the data analytics is great it's giving us a lot of insights It's helping us to understand where people are with their relationship. It does kind of align, I think, with the research. People might initially underestimate how much they're drinking, and that tends to kind of come through. We tend to find that mainly with people who might engage with health coaching, for instance, and so forth. The other thing that our data is telling us that um, it is a struggle for a lot of people. They still feel there's a lot of judgment from their partners, from the community around their choices with drinking. Um, That's certainly coming through. What's emerging for us, interestingly enough, and I think surprisingly, given that we're an early intervention and prevention app, is that we're finding that over 70% of our members actually fall in the high to severe range of alcohol consumption. And that has actually been a bit of a surprise. Has that increased over the time that they've had this data? Is it something that's 
No, I think that's been quite consistent, okay. certainly over the last the last couple of years. So just before COVID, throughout COVID and now, we're seeing this consistency. Some of the statistics on, I mean, I, the website looked amazing, by the way, but I, some of the statistics on there, four out of five people, I think it was an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Yes, yes. Look, and that's that's right. Also, what we do know is that over 50% of those people are also struggling with some psychological distress at a high level. Yeah, wow. So it's given us that insight in our data and therefore it has really prompted us to have a look at our strategy and innovation. And so therefore we feel that we would like to be able to enhance and grow that journey pathway with our members. And therefore we want to be able to now also provide them other services to complement Daybreak. So we're very, very keen now to start looking at implementing some of those strategies. And very much that's been driven by the data we've been able to collect from our members. Yeah. It's such an amazing opportunity with that data to be able to use that and and make better informed decisions and also really understand what's going on out there. But tell me, Dom, uh, is there something for carers, like for people that are the support network for people Is there something like if, let's say, my partner or something, I I want to help them, but I don't know how to bring it up. Is there is there stuff on there that I can go to and sort of find ways to subtly or not so subtly try and help people that I care about to get help? So certainly what we, um, yes, so we provide information for carers and loved ones about where they can get additional support. And certainly in the new models that we're looking at now, we will definitely enhance that so that not only will the member be able to engage in some counselling with us, but also for them to be able to include their carer, loved one, nominated person to be involved. Because again, we know that it's absolutely important. I often call it my outside inside. So people who know us well can kind of pick up triggers and early warning signs, not only for alcohol, but for anything. So therefore, it's really important for them to actually also understand. And if the member wants to change their behavior with alcohol, but needs that support, it's very important for the people around them to understand what does that support look like? And what role do they play? Mm. And having some sort of commitment and agreement in a safe space where you're doing that in a therapeutic engagement, uh, we know that that's really good. So therefore, there's no misunderstanding because when someone's in a crisis or struggling, it's much harder to be able to negotiate with them on next steps. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Tell us, I mean, in, in the years that this has been around and, and seems to be taking off and, and just seriously getting more and more momentum, what have been some of the challenges? I mean, I know that you've been with them since November, but have you got any challenges that you've had in your role or that the organisation itself has faced? So, look, I think generally, I think that the key thing, that one of the challenges is people are at risk. So when people are giving up drinking, physiologically, it puts them at risk as well. So trying to manage that and encourage people that they certainly, the, the app itself is really beneficial. However, they also need medical support. So that's a challenge, people giving advice to one another. And if it goes against medical best practice, that's a major challenge for us and having to kind of yeah. manage that without interfering. That moderation would be, would be tough, wouldn't it? Yes. How big is the team behind the scenes with Hello Sunday Morning? 
In our team, uh, we have nine people that work various shifts yeah. uh, looking at and playing different roles. So some will be doing the care navigation, some will be doing the health coaching, our moderators, absolutely. So we ensure that we have guidelines, training manuals. It's really important for our moderators to understand the community and their needs. Yeah. And like you're saying, to also be aware of the potential challenges and risks. Yeah. I mean, so it's such a great tool, though, and the way that this is evolving. I mean, it's quite exciting. Tell us about what you, if you're allowed to, but tell us what the future holds. I mean, is it what's exciting stuff we got coming up? So, look, the future holds for us. Obviously, we understand that being very much collaborative with our community, we recognise that there is a gap in the community, looking at the Productivity Commission report and so forth with a missing middle. We know that those who are in that high dependency risk bracket actually don't have a lot of support. And what we also know is that a lot of people do actually go into a detoxification program and unfortunately relapse is a high, uh, comes at a high rate and uh, one of the key factors is that, and, and I know this from my experience working in mental health hospitals, great robust programs. The key, the missing piece is that people are very motivated. They're very supported. They're in, a, in an environment where everyone is there really be beside them and um, supporting them in every way. Then they go home. And the reality is that nothing has changed at home. And therefore, all of the triggers, all of the stresses, if it was relationship, if it was the psychosocial inefficiencies, they are still there. And therefore, it's often it's easier to kind of fall back on what you know, how to cope best. So for us, a key factor here is to certainly focus on aftercare. We know that a lot of people really want to change that relationship. Um, they put in all the hard work, they go home and it's just not there. So we want to be able to collaborate with other partners and be able to provide them with that one-on-one uh, -on -one support throughout the journey as they are continuing on that recovery path. So that's a key factor for us. And then on the other end, we also know, and particularly so coming out of COVID, there are long waiting lists some people are waiting up to six months to get a hospital bed in order to be able to, to change their own relationship. We want to be able to provide them with that one-on-one -on -one support as they are preparing to enter a detox program. We want to be able to skill them to start helping them identify their key support network. And as you were mentioning before, bringing in their family and carers to start building what does that care plan look like. That's an important bridge, isn't it? To I mean, that for, to close that gap because you're right. If if they can't get help for weeks, there's nothing available to be able to have something to fill that gap and help them in order to be, get prepared for it. I mean, that makes complete sense. Yes. So look, we we are very excited about moving in that space. We are speaking to a lot of our collaborators and pa uh, partners who are very interested in in being part of this with us. We believe this could really make quite a difference in the community. And again, we'll be very keen to be working with the community about what that should look like. Dominique, as someone who's 10 years ago when I gave up alcohol, I found, you know, what you said before resonated with me where you, your support networks, you can feel very isolated at, at times because you're, the triggers, the people you used to drink or binge alcohol or whatever, whatever it was. I mean, it can be, it's almost like you can become isolated because you don't want to be around them anymore. So you almost have to reinvent yourself and the circle of friends. So to have something like this to go to, 
I mean, what, what's such a great tool and, and support network to help get through that stage because it can be quite lonely. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you for 10 years. That's fantastic. You're absolutely right. And that's, that is a key thing that we have actually identified in our data and loneliness is a big one. Yeah. So I think that you that, yeah. And, and having that extended support is really important. Yeah. Well, it certainly sounds like there's lots of exciting things happening at Hello Sunday Morning and you've got plenty to go. I mean, I'm interested to see where this is going to go in the next couple of years. I mean, it's frightening how big, not frightening, but really, I mean, it's quite exciting how big this could get. And and you're right, whether it's just people reducing or eliminating whatever the definition of it is, what a great tool and a great forum and, and a great way to to do this alongside 70 other thousand Australians, which is truly amazing. Tell us, is there any, Dominic, is there any closing thoughts you want to say, anything that I haven't asked you about that you'd love to share with us? Look, no, I think um, you've been covered quite well. Thank you for your questions. Again, I think that if people are unsure, the only thing that I can say, if there are any listeners out there today wondering, what does this all mean? Don't feel shy about that. There's no wrong questions. Come in, explore, even if it's to help a loved one. We are all in this together. I think that's the key thing. We're all going to be impacted by someone we know or even a loved one. So therefore, accessing the resources and services is key. It is a available to everyone. So keep an open heart and uh, let's all do this together and change the world's relationship with alcohol. Beautifully put. And if people want to get in touch with Hello Sunday Morning, or I think it's pretty obvious, but you can just go to Google it and it comes up pretty obviously. But I, I think, is there any other, if people want to get in touch with you, Dominique, do they, can they just go to the website and check it out or... Yes, certainly. Certainly they can go to the website. If they want to reach out to me, they can do that as well. So it's Dominique, D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E at hellosundaymorning.org. Thanks very much for your time, Dominique. We appreciate that. And it's great to get some insights on the great things, not only the amazing things you've accomplished in your career so far, but the amazing things that Hello Sunday Morning are up to. So thanks very much. Thank you very much, Sam. All the best. Is there someone working in mental health who you'd like to be featured on the podcast? Are there more questions you want the answers to? Let us know what you want to hear. Get in touch with us by emailing any podcast suggestions to membership at anzmh.asn.au and be sure to stay up to date on our socials at ANZMHA on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you very much for listening and we look forward to sharing our next conversation.